Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, break open the scriptures through the power of your Spirit. Let your word read and proclaimed pour out until its fragrance fills this house and our lives. Then, anointed with your word, send us out to share the good news we have received. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is with us always. Amen. Our first reading comes from the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, verses 16 through 21. You can find it on page 624 of the Bibles in front of you. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. You can find it on page 936. Again, listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who is about to betray him, said, Why, has this, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She brought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Before we turn back to God in prayer, I wanted to give a 
word of warning. This is a sermon about loss. And I know many of you have experienced loss in your lives, and so I wanted to make sure <clears throat> that you were not blindsided by the emotions that this sermon may stir up in you. And I wanted to remind you all that I am available if you need someone to speak to either this afternoon or sometime this week. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. O Lord, our God, our rock and our salvation. May your spirit come upon us in truth and in power that we may hear what you have to say to each of us today. Amen. A few weeks ago, I received a late night message from a friend asking if I was still awake. He wanted to talk with me for a little bit. He just found out a friend of his had died in a car accident. We spent the next couple of hours talking. I would ask questions, and we would speak, and we would reflect. And finally we got to the root of what was really, I mean really bothering him about the death of his friend. The last time they had spoken, they fought. Their parting words were less than polite. So we talked for a little bit longer, and I hope that I was able to provide him with some level of comfort, some level of closure, but really, how does one recover from something like that? We hear this sort of story far too often. When we think, or when we lose someone we love, we often think back to the last thing we said to them. Were my words harsh, cold, or indifferent? Did they know how much we loved them? Were my last words to them enough? What would I say if I had just one last chance? Mary and Martha knew that pain. Their brother, Lazarus, died. If you think back to that story, you think of how angry they were with Jesus. If you had only been here one day sooner, they knew that pain. And then Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Mary and Martha went through the same questioning we do when we lose somebody. And then Jesus gave them the chance 
to say all those things they wish they could have said. They were given a second chance knowing that such chances never come along in the normal way of things. And then we come to this morning's story. Jesus had been making no attempt to hide his coming faith. To all who have been paying attention, Jesus was certain that he would die soon. Mary and Martha, it seems, knew this. Martha busies herself in the kitchen preparing the meal. John makes it a point to let us know that Lazarus, who was once dead, is seated at the table with them. Mary, however, sits at Jesus' feet and listens to him as he teaches. And she pours this expensive perfume all over his feet. Nard, or spike nard, is an expensive perfume that's used to anoint the dead. She bought it knowing that Jesus would die soon with the intention of using it to anoint his body. But she just, she couldn't wait anymore. She knew the pain of leaving things unsaid. So, perhaps spurred by the what-ifs she felt when her brother died, she decided that what was most important was that Jesus knew what he means to her. And so, she pours this expensive oil all over his feet, and she uses her own hair to dry him. So much of this oil did she use that John tells us that the smell of this oil filled the house. And then the protests come. Judas, who John tells us has less than honorable motives, protests, this oil can be used to feed the poor. It can be sold to feed the poor. Well, he's not wrong. It could have been sold. 300 denarii was a lot of money. Could very well have gone to feeding the poor. However, the next day, after that food is digested, what do they have? They were just as poor as they were before. Jesus' response was one that may seem harsh to our ears. The poor will always be with you, but I will be with you for just a short time. If you'll allow me a brief aside, it's worth pointing out that this is not an excuse for Christians to live lives of apathy. Jesus' acknowledgement that the poor will always be with us is not an excuse for us to simply shrug our shoulders and say, oh well, not much we can do about that. Aside from this incident, Jesus never shied away from helping the poor. And so the emphasis 
should not be read on the first part of that statement, but rather on the second part. But I am with you only a short while. This is their chance to say all those things they've wanted to say. Jesus knows the end is coming. His disciples should know the end is coming. Mary knows the end is coming, and this is her last chance to show Him how much she loves Him. And she does so the only way she knows how. She just pours the entire pound of oil on His feet. In doing so, she says, I know you'll be gone soon. This is all I have to show you how much I love you. We all too often hold ourselves back for the sake of the future. To some degree, this is wise behavior. It's wise to save money in case of an emergency or for retirement. It's wise to conserve resources for the benefit of our children and our children's children. There is wisdom in prudence and frugality. However, I'm also reminded of Jesus' criticism of the man who stored up many silos of grain that he may have wealth for many years to come. Jesus said, you fool, your life will be taken from you this very night. All of that hoarding of wealth was for nothing. There is wisdom in putting something away for a rainy day, but one can go too far and shut things away for the future at the expense of the present. The thing is, we are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised five minutes from now. To drive the point home, we are not promised tomorrow, but neither are those we love. And so I wonder, why are we content to let harsh words linger until morning? Why are we content to let words go unspoken in the hope that we can say them at a later date? Or in the hope that the other already knows the content of those words? Why are we content to put off saying the things that need to be said to do the things that need to be done? Why are we content with these things? We are not promised tomorrow, and neither are those we love. As we turn back to Mary and Martha, who sought only to serve their Lord in the ways they could, while they still could, another question comes to mind. Are we serving our Lord in the ways that we can? Why do we put off serving the Lord today while we can with all we have? Do we think we have more time to serve? We, not even the young, are promised tomorrow. Do we think we've served enough 
we could never serve enough. We never know when our last chance will be. The mother who forgot to hug her child the day of the school shooting will never be able to hug her child again. The son who neglected to help his mother when she asked for help may never get that chance again. The husband who neglects to tell his wife he loves her before she goes on her trip may never get that chance again. The sister whose brother dies never has the chance to say all of those things that have gone unsaid. Mary refuses to let those things go unsaid. She refuses to let Jesus die without expressing her devotion to Him, her teacher, and her Lord. In the same way, we should never hold back our devotion and willingness to serve our Lord and Redeemer. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing, to make every moment of their daily lives a prayer for God. In the same vein, I encourage you to serve without ceasing. To make every moment service to God. For that's all we have. Really, that's all we can give. And this is all the time that we have. Let us say with what God has placed on our hearts.